Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. And it's here. I'll get my man Mike Mahler on the other line. It's a great week, man. I'm really excited about our guest today. Actually, I've been excited for the last couple of months. You know, once you sent me the email saying that we had him booked for the show, it's going to be a real treat to speak with him in a few minutes, man. Big fan yeah, of his work. I'm really excited about having him on as well. I actually interviewed him early in my career, and that was a real pleasure. And he's been a guy that I've always looked to as a real inspiration because, as you know, I've always. I've admitted that I have this fear of growing old. (laughs) (laughs) I see a lot of old people that they can't get out of a seat there. They just don't have this exciting existence from my point of view. But people such as our guest today and our friend Steve Maxwell, they really show that if you adopt a fitness-healthy lifestyle, you can really age gracefully to the point where you have a very active lifestyle for a long period of time. And then also I like the fact that he dispels a lot of myths because you've had had this happen too where – you, know, you you do something impressive in the gym or something, and inevitably some guy will come up and be, oh, wait till you get to my age, Sonny. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> happened to be when I was 25. I'm like, all right. Then it happened to me when I'm 35. I'm like, all right. Then it happened to me when I'm 40. Like recently, I just deadlifted 510 for two reps, and someone's like, oh, wait till you get to my age. I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, I have a I have a current <laughs> client. A guy just started with me, and he said the same thing. He said, man, you know, I'm I'm hurt. Wait till you get to my age. Like I've spent 30 years surfing, and they try to infuse my back, and and he talks about all these natural ways of of just eating and all this other stuff but he's also talking about like having one foot in the grave at the same time <laughs> so i'm like how can you talk about being holistic but then also talk about dying today so i'm just like <laughs> nah i said you know what you're talking to the wrong guy i'm i've come across too many people that have pro- they're proving you wrong and right, just like exactly. our guest today so i'm like just I'm, I'm not trying to hear you dude you're not bringing me down <laughs> I mean, our, our guest today is 75 i can just imagine when he's in the gym working out <laughs> some guy who's probably 95 comes up to him and says hey wait till you get to my age you know? exactly. <laughs> because it never ends <laughs> that's bad. that that's always been my theory is that every every no matter how old i get someone's always coming up and yeah, we're saying, trying to one up you someone's yeah. always trying to oprah you just just take their story i'll be, to the next I'll be level. 65 doing something and someone who's 75 is gonna go oh well, you're you're only 65 man wait till you get to my age the clock's ticking. i'm like clock is ticking the day i was born buddy <laughs> so but real so quick know. folks before we introduce our guest make sure to support the show by using coupon code lla at mikemahler.com to buy the best nutrition supplements money can buy and then uh, what can they use at your website what can they get at your website man same coupon code LLA go over to newwarriortraining.com you can get my bodyweight training DVD my weight management 101 course and also you'll start to get some of the best things best products out there to help you brew a great cup of coffee starting with my chorilla doors that I have handcrafted straight from Costa Rica you're not going to find these on the internet hard pressed to find this and you know, there there was a it was a need for this. And when I went to Costa Rica, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the best coffee I've ever had. And what is this method that you're using? And what is this contraption? And it's a part of their tradition. And just about all my friends who are from Costa Rica, whenever they see me post pictures of it, the children of doors, they're like, oh, my God, you take me back to my childhood, dude. So my thing is, I couldn't find them here. So I'm like, you know what? That in that true entrepreneur spirit saw a need. People want it. They were asking about it. So I got them. So they're coming straight up. Is that, is that on your website now? Because I want to buy one off. Um, actually, off I got one sure. coming your way, as a matter of fact, man. Oh, really? So, cool. yeah, stay tuned for that. And awesome. right now, there are just a couple things of coffee on there right now. But by the time this show comes out, they will be available. I, I just took all the pictures of all of them now and, and the coffees that are going to be with them. And I just got all that done yesterday. So they'll be uploaded. So by the time this show is aired, they will be available. So, folks, you can use that coupon code LLA, get 10% off of that, and free shipping with those as well. And I'm going to put up a video as well to show everyone how to use it. 
But when I tell you, when you you'll have a different experience with coffee by doing it this way. I'm a pour over method fan, but out of all the pour over methods out there, Chemex, all of that, this is by far my favorite. So yeah, newwarriortraining.com. Type in a coupon code LLA, and yeah, man. So that sounds great. I look forward to that. Awesome. Well, today our guest is Clarence Bass. He's the author of the Ripped series, also the books Take Charge, Fitness at the Edge of Science, and Great Expectations, which are both incredible reads. Yes. Actually, what I like about Clarence is no hype, just real information delivered in an engaging way. You can tell this guy is very passionate about fitness and has been for his entire life. So that's really yeah. something I want to get into <clears throat> with him today because <clears> – <throat> A lot of people wonder, how do you maintain that enthusiasm to be fit and strong your entire life? I mean, to right. me, I always want to be fit and strong, but that's a real challenge for a lot of people. Yeah. Clarence, how you doing today, buddy? Thank you so much for coming I, on the show. I'm doing fine, and I'm 76. Yeah. If I'm not off, you shake the telephone or yell, and I'll, I'll come <laughs> back on. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a real pleasure having you on, and thanks so much for sending out your books for us to check out. They were a real pleasure to read. I recommend them highly to all of our listeners that they check it out. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We try to spread that book as widely as we possibly can. Oh, it's incredible. I'm, I'm real curious, Clarence. You've been working out for a long time, and you're, I mean, you're 76 now, and you're, you're ripped to shreds. Anyone who's seen pictures of you, you're in great shape. You're still very enthusiastic about training. Well, what do you think is the secret behind all of that? What's made you want to maintain this enthusiasm? And you're, you're still trying to achieve goals and so forth, so you're not just in maintenance mode. You're still constantly working on improving. Absolutely. I say if, if you try to train to maintain that you're toast, yeah. <laughs> that I think my secret is to continue looking for ways to improve. Right. Like when I kind of topped out on Olympic lifting and I moved to bodybuilding, and on and on, always looking for some way to improve. And I found that if you look and you're, you know, you know what you're doing, you know how to set goals, that there's always some way to improve. And I try to do that in every workout. I try to improve in some way in every workout. So I make it a satisfying experience, something you want to do again, rather than one, God, I hope I don't have to do that again. Right, right. I think the approach that a lot of people have, but you have to come with a positive attitude and you expect to succeed. But of course you have to be realistic about setting your goals, but you, that becomes kind of an art after time. I, I sit down with my training diary before every workout and map out what I'm going to do. But I look to see what I did with that workout the last time. And I try to figure out what I can do to improve. So I know I've mapped out the goals all the way through for each exercise, with the weights, the reps, and you almost, I almost always end up happy with the result. I try never never to fail, always succeed. And if you handle it right, you can pretty much do it. Now, I mean, you make a really good point about how no one gets excited about maintenance. So if you're right. just going into a workout with the goal to maintain, that's not going to be exciting. I don't think there's anything more satisfying than actually achieving something. You set out a goal, you achieve it. And that just motivates you to want to go after another goal. So I think that's something that people should really be attuned to is the fact that you always want to be striving for something. That's, there should be purpose behind your training. Well, what does your workout look like right now? Can you give us an example of what a training week looks like for you? Let me go back for a second on this goal thing. Sure. I think that's so important. And I, when, I, when I started training when I was about 13, my dad brought home a barbell for himself, and, but I ended up being the one that used it. 
And I always say, looking back, that picking up that barbell was the most important thing I ever did because that showed me that, that you can achieve goals, that you can change your life, you can control your life by setting goals, working hard towards your goals, setting realistic goals. So I saw that, as most kids do, I saw the results of the weight training. I saw that I was making this happen, which led me to believe that I could make other things happen, entering, entering lifting contests, going to law school, just on and on. Now, that's been the pattern. So that's right. No, nah, that's your question, Mike. beautiful. No, I, I love what you just said, because that's something that I feel is lacking in the fitness industry quite a bit is taking the lessons you learn from arduous training and applying it to whatever other goal you want to achieve, whether it's a business goal, nonprofit goal, whatever it is. And, and what you just said so eloquently is that is something that I try to convey as well, is that the confidence that you get from physical training and making progress gives you so much confidence that you can carry over to so many other areas of your life. That's exactly right. You go in with a positive attitude. You think you can do things instead of thinking that you can't. If you think you can't, you damn well can't. Right. I'm sorry. Going back to the other question I have for you, can you just give us give us an example, please, of just what a training week looks like for you? Because I'm sure a lot of people that are in their 60s, 70s, and so forth are curious how you design an effective regimen because things have to change as you get older. I'm sure. I'm sure the way you train now is not the same as the way you trained when you were 35, 40, for example. People they talk to me and they think, "Gee, you must train every day." <laughs> I walk around. I'm one of the most visible people in our neighborhood because I walk a lot. <laughs> so I so they they ask me that all and assume every day, but I don't. I have three main training days: Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I flip-flop. One week I'll do two strength training, one aerobic training. The next week it's two aerobic training, one one strength training, uh, including in my aerobic workout. I don't know if you remember reading about the ski erg and the rower in the mm-hmm, new book. Sure, yeah. But the people that that are competing on that, and there's a there's a world ranking system where you can compete with people your age and weight all over the world, which is a wonderful motivator. But most of those people are doing longer rows, like 2,500 meters. I almost always do 1,000 meters or less, so my workouts are between 300 meters to 1,000 meters. And it may just be just one time, but it's one real hard time after a warm-up. And then I do the skier, which is a comp, comp, it's made by the same company, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. a pull-down where you're folding your body up, you're pulling down like you're a rope up above, and you're pulling right, them right. all the way down to your, your ankles. Mm-hmm. And it's got the same monitor as the, as, as the rower. So I might do the same thing. If I did 300 meters on, on, the, on, on the rower, I'd do 300 meters on the skier. But I do that as hard as I can, and that's the whole workout. Yeah, I have to say, I was recently on vacation, Clarence, uh, about a couple of weeks ago on a cruise, and I was reading Take Charge while I was on the cruise, and it was funny because, you know, I already told myself, you know what, take take this time off just to relax, and don't worry about training and all this, but once you once I read about the rowing in the skier, I was just like, you know what, one thing about it, I've always looked at the concept two rowers and things like that, I've seen people do it or whatever, and just not, not, never really been interested in it, but after reading what you had to say about it, I went to the gym that was on the on the ship, 
and got on the rower, man. And, you know, I did 5K, you know, because I'm thinking like, OK, that's about three, three point one miles, whatever. So just did that. And, man, it felt really, really great because I was also rehabbing from an injury. And for some reason, it, I just felt great when I finished with that. I didn't think anything about the injury anymore. And, and actually, it just seems like it kind of just dissipated even more at that point. But I also think just for the fact that I went in, first of all, it was something brand new. And so that made it kind of exciting. And then just reading about how you talked about it made it even more exciting. And also just I just think mentally I was just since I was really enjoying this, I think that also really helped with just recovering from the injury as well. And pretty much that was my main that's probably the main part of training I did that entire cruise was just that one day and doing that. And man, it just made me really look at just rowing a, a lot differently now to the point where I'm just always on Craigslist now trying to find a concept two rower so I can get it in our gym now. So. That's, that's exactly right. It's got to be something that you enjoy, and generally that's something that you do well. When I do this 300 meters, of course, it's really hard. You don't <laughs> yeah. want to do it again after you do that 300 <laughs> right. meters. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you... Focusing on that shorter, harder, it's like if you compare what a sprinter looks like, the bodies of a sprinter, mm-hmm. the body of a, of a marathon runner, it's like night and day. And it's because the the sprinter is using the, the the marathon runner is only using about half of the muscles in their body, that is the the slow twitch fibers, where the marathon runner is using the slow twitch and the fast twitch, so he's training he or she the whole body, so that's why they have the muscle mass on there because they're training those fast fibers. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's ama- it's amazing how quickly that kind of training transforms your physique as well. I mean, right. you have the study, you have the, you mentioned the study in your book about the group that did 30 seconds of sprints on an exercise bike and then four minute breaks for about four to seven rounds and they doubled their endurance capacity. I don't know if you mentioned if the physique composition improvements, if that was noted, but one thing I've always noted when I do sprinting consistently about two times a week is what I'm doing right now. I mean, it, it's amazing how fast it transforms your physique. And it, it's it's a real mood booster as well. I yeah. always feel fantastic after running. It just works out that anxiety, and you're you just feel like a million bucks. I agree. And one thing you just talked about, you just mentioned when you do something that you truly like, and I mean you'll have fun with that. And you spoke about that as well in Take Charge in the longevity project in that part of the book. And basically, um, <laughs> I think one of the phrases I, I'm trying to I'm just going to paraphrase right, but basically you can't. It's something to the fact that you, you can't do your journey by following another man's map or something like that. And basically what you're trying to say is just do what you love. You don't necessarily have to go out and run sprints if you don't like to run sprints. Or as you said in the book, if you don't like to jog, don't jog. And I think that's what ends up happening to so many people why they get discouraged in training, especially for longevity. that They just off and on, off and on because they're too busy trying to do someone else's workout. And it ends up right. crushing them. They see it and like, okay, maybe I should be doing CrossFit. Maybe I should be training with kettlebells. Maybe I should do bodybuilding. And and they absolutely hate it. But then there's somebody telling them like, well, walking's not enough, you know. And but some people may truly enjoy walking. And well, some people may live their whole life that way, right? We always yeah. talk about how you're doing a job you hate because someone else recommended you do it. So <laughs> right. You're not you're not even choosing your own path there. And and that's most people. Most people are not doing what they want to do for a living. And I think that's. If if that's if you're in that situation, then everything else is problematic already. Because the, the, I mean, your your career is where you're going to spend most of your time. So if you hate that, what does that say about the rest of your life? What can you do there that's going to make up for that imbalance? Really, Definitely. nothing. Right. But that's one of the key themes of what the Take Charge book is about. That there are many many options, both from a diet and the training standpoint. 
and science is showing us that there are many more options. There's not just one way to do things. There's many ways to do, do things. And I try to give those options so people can, can find something, like you said, that they enjoy doing. If you don't, don't like jogging, you don't have to jog. There's many other ways to do it. And you should look for those things and find the ways that, that work for you. It may not work for somebody else, but it works for you because it's what you do well and what you're willing to keep doing. The only program that's going to work is the one you're actually going to do, and that's one that you enjoy and you can see yourself making progress. Right. Otherwise, it's a battle of attrition, right? I mean, if you're, go, if you're going into a workout and you go, man, I can't stand what I'm doing, but let's just suck it up and do it. And then the next day, all right, let's just suck it up and do it again. I think, I think the mistake a lot of people make is they feel that if they, if they engage in a training program, even if they hate it for 12 weeks, they'll achieve the goal they want, and then they never have to work out again. You know, that's the illusion right. that a lot of people have, and, and that's problematic right there because Same way about it does losing work. weight. Yeah, exactly. Get the weight down. They can go back to what made them fat in the first <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So you never, you're never really solving the problem. Where you, if you don't make it a lifestyle, then it's going to be a reoccurring problem. It's just going to keep coming back. Now, when we talk about diet, I know folks look at you, and I mean, you pretty much maintain a body fat percentage of about two point four percent. And I'm sure someone's always asking you, like, okay, what do you do? What do you eat? How should I eat? You know, what kind of diet are you on? And you know, one thing you said in the book, you're not a fan of dieting. You know, that, that's your diet regimen, that you don't diet. So how do you explain that to someone who doesn't know any better, especially when they're bombarded with all the media hype about this diet and this current diet? This is the hot diet, and this is what you should be doing for, to, to make it to this age and to be this, this, and that. How do you explain to them that that's not what you do and, and make it make sense to them beyond just some typical trendy diet that's out there right now? The idea is to follow a diet that fills, fills you up and makes you feel satisfied without giving you more calories than you need. And, of course, exercising makes that easier to do. But it's very simple. It's just a whole food diet. Food's the way they come in nature without anything taken away, without the fiber taken away or without the water taken away, without salt or sugar or other things added. And if you think about in nature, there's almost nothing that that fills those qualifications that's fattening it's almost impossible to overeat on that type of a diet and right. my the, my so it's just a healthy balanced diet the, the 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 base of the diet is whole grains fruits vegetables and then i have some high quality protein with each meal and it's also very important to get fat in your diet because the fat well, we know about omega-3 the the essential fat your body needs it to function properly, but fat also in the meal makes your food digest more slowly so it stays in your stomach longer and it makes you feel satisfied longer. So it's just a healthy, balanced diet. There's no, no secret to it. It is important to have some high-quality protein. By the way, I was very interested to hear that you were a vegan, and I'd like to hear more about it. I, I am I, actually. I call it myself as kind of a semi-vegetarian yeah. because I yeah. eat, I do have eggs, I do have milk, uh, I, I eat fish, uh, we eat beef occasionally. Right. Uh, and those are the highest quality proteins, and and I realize that that can be done in a vegan diet, but it requires a lot of planning. As you said, it does take some planning. No right. doubt. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Like my diet is more like yours at this point. You know, even my wife comments, you know, you pretty much treat meat, 
you know, especially these last few months, you're treating it more like a condiment or, you know, just like a, a side, exactly. you know, and I was like, you know, I'm feeling right. better. I feel better that way yeah. now. And I'd rather, so I'm taking all the things that I did when I was a vegetarian and bringing that over and I'm still finding a way to include meat because the last time I went to my naturopath and got tested, he said, you need to bring some animal proteins back into your diet. But again, when most people hear that, they think, okay, let me go to the churrascaria and just go have at it and just and throw <laughs> down and just have, right. and I said, you know what? The worst type of sweat you can get is not from exercise, but meat sweats is the worst type of sweat you can ever get. So just sitting there and just having an all out buffet on meat is not what he was talking about, but that's what most people, <laughs> most people hear what they want to hear. So and it's really working for me. I'm feeling a lot more energetic and I'm actually seeing my body composition change without having to really try, try really hard to change my body composition. It's just naturally just really going with that at instinct and using that gut brain that you speak about in the book as well. And like you said for Mike, yeah, I mean, I know Mike can expand on this. You know, even as a vegan, it takes planning, but most people don't want to plan. They want everything to be handed to them. That's why you have so many people with you know, my fit foods and they're ordering all this food or, you know, you know, neutral systems. Most people don't want to plan. They want somebody to do it for them now. Yeah. And that's, that's really the thing. No matter what diet you're on, it's going to take some planning, yeah. at least initially to get used to it. And once it, once you figure out what works for you, then it's very simple to keep maintaining that. So with me, with the vegan diet, it took a while to fine tune it, to find the foods that were a good fit for me, the right ratios of legumes, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, good protein powders. Once I dialed it in, and this is a while back, now it's simple. You know, I've been doing a vegan diet since I was 20. I'm 40 now, so I've been doing it for about 20 years. I'm still getting stronger each year, still feel great. No problem maintaining muscle mass, adding some if I want to. So it's just it's, – it's like any nutrition scheme, you have to personalize it to your own needs. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short is that they read a book on whatever the nutrition philosophy is and then they just try to follow that 100% where you're going to have to personalize it to your own needs. You're going to have to fine-tune it. And Clarence, what you do is very similar to what I notice people do in Japan and other parts of the Asian world where meat is a condiment. For example, the size – of a sample meat dish in America could feed a village in Japan <laughs> or, you know, or Kenya. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's more of a condiment. You look at the amount of meat in a, in a dish in Japan. I mean, it's it's basically a, the equivalent of one bite, you know, of a dish out here. I, I, I suppose you saw the new study that came out saying that saturated fat was not associated with heart disease, which right. mm-hmm. of course was driving the stake through the heart of people who have been saying that for decades and decades. But that doesn't mean you should go out and eat eating a lot of butter or you know really highly concentrated fats. But so you, you probably shouldn't put a stick of butter in your coffee each morning. It's probably not the best. Probably, option. probably not. <laughs> or just eat the but butter. I wrote an article. I, I write articles uh-huh. every month on our website. Yeah. There's almost 400 articles there now in 10 different categories, but it's a it's a pretty complete discussion of that. Right. Basically, I didn't see any reason to change my diet. It's pretty much the way I described it just a little bit ago. But my wife and I do have uh, a range-fed beef burger, maybe on weekends, mm-hmm. just one time. And I think there's probably something there that, that, that is being provided that you weren't getting otherwise. I don't know sure. what it is, sure. but it's satisfying. It tastes good. Uh, you don't have to have French fries or or onion rings or anything with it, and that's the key. It's what you have with it, what right. it, what what diet it's put into. A couple more things that I that I think are helpful to control the diet, and, and is one is my rule about uniform eating, which I wrote about in my very first book, 
which, by the way, came out in 1980 and is now going into its 12th printing, mm-hmm. ripped. Um, but the idea is if you eat basically the same thing from day to day, you do not have to count calories because by following the same pattern, you're eating the same thing day to day. So if you find that you're gaining weight, you can cut back, but you cut back just a little bit all the way across the board. Right. And you want to cut back in a way that does not make you feel hungry or feel dissatisfied. If you do that slowly, you won't notice it, but your fat cells will. will. And then I monitor my, my body composition on a need to scale every weekend. So I'm seeing what's happening there, which makes the, the calorie control really pretty easy. The other rule that I have is my put-it-all-away rule. When I'm getting ready to eat, I, it's a little bit harder with your family, but if you get your family into it, it will work beautifully, where you just put on the table what you're planning to eat. You don't have any side dishes, anything there staring in your face. You put everything else away. and But you have to tell yourself that if you want more, you can get up and get more. But that's quite different than having the serving dish there where you just see it. You right. Can just right. Get more yeah, the so seafood. <laughs> yeah, the seafood you have diet. To stand up and think about it. <laughs> and after you've gotten your diet pattern pretty much in place, you know how much you need to be satisfied. You're almost never going to want more, but you always want to give yourself permission to have more. You can't have it just right. you want it, but if you say you can have it, but only have it if you really want it. And right. if you handle this right, you don't want it. Right. right. No, it's human nature to eat whatever's in your hand, right? So if you fill up a plate of whatever food, see, yeah, yeah, you're not going to stop until it's gone. Reach. Yeah, exactly. I, I do what you t- actually just just went, just discussed there is I'll cook up a good amount of food at night. I like to have a larger dinner, but I'll fill up one plate. I go upstairs, kick back, watch a show or something. So if I want another plate, I have to go back downstairs yeah. and get it. And this sounds inconsequential. Sounds like nothing. Well, you just have to walk downstairs, but you're not going to do very, it unless you, yeah, you're not, you're not going to do it unless you're actually still hungry. Exactly. If you're not hungry. You're not going to, but if I took everything upstairs on the first trek, most <laughs> likely you're going to plow through all of that because it's, that's just, I mean, look at anyone who goes to a buffet. Yeah, they'll fill yeah. up five plates and they'll keep going because the food's right. Because they can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. that's the thing. So, yeah, man, it's like I said, it's that seafood diet. You know, you see it, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna eat it. So, you yeah. know, out of sight, out of mind. So, again, it, it, that's so simple, but it's really important and, and absolutely true. Right now, I see the common theme here from your way of approaching the way that you eat as well as our past guest, Steve Maxwell, as well as um, Udo Rasmus. You know, one thing about it, all you guys are past 60, you're vibrant, and pretty much your eating philosophies, where even though your diets don't necessarily all match up, the actual philosophy itself does match up. And I yeah. think there's the common theme, right? It's like, okay, eat, not don't eat until you're full, but eat until you're satisfied. And people understand full and satisfied are two different things. Right. Full is misery. Okay, well, you're just like, okay, all I want to do is go to sleep. You know, <laughs> full means you're not going anywhere. You know, you're topping over your tank and everything else here. Where it satisfies like, okay, I could eat more, but I don't want to. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what Steve was mentioning a couple of shows ago about just eating that 80% rule. And, and that's 
like, but a lot of people don't even know what 80% is at this point. They've been overeating so much, they don't even know what 80% is. And even 80% of what they're eating compared to how they eat now, it's well, still too much. Is, I, think, I think, sincere, most people associate satisfied with stuffed so that if they're exactly. not stuffed, they don't feel like they've ate enough. I'm like, starving. Oh, I'm stuffed. oh I don't I eat enough. Stuff. I don't eat yeah. enough. Like, we're in America. Trust me. We don't have a, we don't have a problem with eating enough. I don't care. You should, you should, I like what you said that you should leave a meal energetic, though, not ready to take a nap. That's always a bad sign when right. you just eat a meal and you have to go take a nap. It's like, oh, got to lie down for a minute. Got to pop a button open. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> if you have to start arranging your clothes and have wardrobe malfunctions, you've had too much, man. Or if the button pops off all on its own, that's a bad sign. <laughs> you, get, you get up and your pants explode on you. It's not a good sign, right? Oh, man. <laughs> it's interesting. We both reached the same conclusions, but by different routes. And you expressed that very well. It means satisfied, but not stuffed. Right. right. And by just putting on the table or picking upstairs, you know, what you think you're going to eat, then that makes it easy to do that. But if right. it's there, you're going to keep eating. And pretty soon you, you're, it's, you kind of go beyond, if it's there, you go beyond the point where you're satisfied, but you don't right. know it until you're beyond it. Well, it's like what I tell people: like, if you want to stop eating junk food, then don't have it in the house anywhere. Exactly. Because exactly. it's highly unlikely you're going to get in the car in the middle of the night and drive to the grocery store to get some Oreo cookies. But if it's right there in the kitchen, what's the, it's, it's just going to be in your mind all the time until you're ultimately compelled to go plow through it. Especially for someone who has addictions to exactly. sugar, salt, foods, and so forth. But if you don't have it around, that makes it a lot easier. To not engage in eating exactly. it. Exactly. If you're fresh out of rehab, the last place you hang out is a bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 When you don't... our son was was at home, my wife would bring home some ice cream or cake or cookies for him, but they wouldn't tell me, and they put it away, so I didn't see it and I didn't look for it. But once I knew that was there, <laughs> it's a I just could not just keep thinking if it's there, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> right. It's not there after it is there, but I don't know it's there. Fine. Right. And that's just so important to not have it around the house. But that's the that's the correct approach. No, nah, that's absolutely a correct approach. Now, you also may bring up an interesting point in Great Expectations about the metabolism myth, where people always feel as you get older, your metabolism slows down. People just feel that's some kind of organic process. But you basically drive the point home about how metabolic rate is slowing down because people's activity level is slowing down. So rather than a correlation with age, can you expand on that a little bit more? Well, that's right. I, I say your metabolism won't slow down if you don't slow down. Right. And a key part to that is maintaining your muscle mass and maintaining your fast twitch fibers sure. because your muscle dri- drives your metabolism. Uh, you may remember in, there's a section about bending the aging curve in the Take Charge book. By the way, I'm impressed that you guys really read the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you send it out to people all the time. Hey, Clarence, great books, buddy. Thanks a lot for sending this out. I liked it. What did you like about it? Oh, everything. <laughs> I've been yeah. in the same situation where someone, someone says they love my book. I'm like, oh, really? What was your favorite chapter? They're like, well, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to pick well by God. Sure it is because you haven't read it. You know, <laughs> Bending the aging curve. It's, it's, it's written by Dr. Signorelli. There's a book by that name, and uh-huh. he has these wonderful charts in there about what happens to your muscle mass with age, hmm. and he's comparing people that train their whole life, other people that started to train at 40, and then somebody that never trained at all, 
and it's a, it's an amazing difference. Right. The person that 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 trains all of his life at, at sixty has the the the, the same body and uh, muscle and nerves as a twenty year old. When you're ninety, you have the same as somebody that's sixty years old. Mm. And one of the key things that's going on there is people that don't train when they get to be about fifty, their their slow twitch fibers stay. Almost everybody's slow twitch fibers that are pretty much on an even keel, but the fast twitch fibers, the one that you have to have to use the muscles, contract the muscles to the maximum, they just it, it just is, goes down exponentially. Mm-hmm. So if you're training and you can maintain those the the fast twitch fibers, you basically your curve is going straight on out there. You're maintaining, right. and that sets you apart from somebody who's going through the normal aging process which in large part is driven by this loss of your fast-twitch fibers, which is about half of your fibers. So pretty soon you lose your independence, and certainly your metabolism slows down. I don't feel like my metabolism has... Obviously, I don't have as much muscle mass now as I did when I was 40, but I still have quite a, quite a bit. And so it does... That's what, what drives the metabolism, that muscle mass. End of story. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's very interesting. Uh, one of the studies that you wrote about in the book, whereas I think I believe it was a study done in Norway where they had the 20 year olds. And it's funny, we, Mike and I talk about this all the time. You, you had these 20 year olds where they in the study where they pretty much had no exercise whatsoever. And pretty much they were kind of they were measuring, I believe, their metabolism, their their muscle mass compared to that of a much older population in the study, I believe it was like 50 or 60 years old, who were active. And it just went to show that the ones that were active who were older had more more muscle mass than these 20-year-olds who did nothing. So at this point, it's not even, this is a true definition that age is nothing but a number. You know, you know, when you're young, you think like, ah, oh, you know, I'm young. I don't have to do all this and that. I'm young. You know, and, you know, I don't want to sit there and you have to be like that old guy right there. and He's deteriorating or whatever, Whereas actually it's not even about the number itself. It's pretty much this, this that mo- it's movement. It's movement. Yeah. And, I think the average guy we see now in his 20s proves that it's <laughs> that, that youth well, is not enough. Let me tell you, the average guy I see these days looks like he has more estrogen than his girlfriend or mother. Yeah, right? Let me, ta- let me tell you, I a big problem. <laughs> yeah, I had an example of that yesterday at our gym. You know, my guy that I'm running with, you know, running the gym with, he has some clients and these guys have to he has two guys in. They have to be about 16 years old. And most of the people that I train, they're in they're 35 and above. So you had these kids there. They were doing pretty much just going across the monkey bars. And they were dying, tossing kettlebells overhead into the field. They were dying. And at one point, he even had the guys last week, you know, get on each other's back and just, you know, carry him 10 yards. Carry your partner 10 yards. They were complaining. They were almost falling out and all this. And I'm looking like I'm depending on these two to take care of me later on in life. Hell no. Forget Social Security. There's no way I'm going to put my life in the hands of these two right now. This is not giving me hope for the future. <laughs> so but then they were looking at. My clients, they're looking at the women training with me with heavy kettlebells, doing double heavy kettlebell work and straight up just going right in doing sprints and lifting heavy sandbags and putting on a shelf that's like two feet above them. And they were just like, yeah, I'm so glad we're not doing that. I'm like, what the hell, man? You have have these women who are 35 and 40 years old lifting all this heavy weight and you kids are dying just from walking on a monkey bar, holding your body up in the air and just going across the bar. I'm like, what has happened to the society? (laughs) And Clarence, so going back to what you said, 
you know, the first time that you got that barbell set from your dad when you were 13. And it's kind of like it was just it just opened your eyes. How do you feel about today's youth and as far as how they are their approach to exercise and movement and diet and even their parents as far as supporting them with this? Like, what, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> well, obviously, people don't exercise the way that they should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's pretty. I. I say that the information is out there about what you ought to do for anybody to, to take it that wants it. And I don't try to advise anybody. As my dad had a saying, anybody convinced of, of, against against his will is of the same opinion still. <laughs> I have the information. I've written 10 books and probably almost a 1,000 articles trying to explain this. It's out there. They can take it, but if they don't take it, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. I mean, it's up to them. I don't want them telling me what to do, and I will help people if they if they ask me for help. But otherwise, it's better to keep your mouth shut. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer, but that's from a practical standpoint. That's that's kind of the way it is. Well, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that because the information there's more information out there now on how to be fit than ever in the history of the world. So if people don't want to take it, then they don't want to take it. They just don't want to do it. Right. And if somebody doesn't want to do it, then that's that's a problem for them to figure out. <laughs> you know, the activity, the activity level. You, you were mentioning one of the studies. I'm not sure if it's in the book or not, but it's a very famous study where they put. I think they were 20 year olds, and they put them to bed for I think three weeks, and then they measured the effect on their metabolism. This this inactivity is just a terrible thing for your metabolism. Right, right. And then they track some of these people, I don't probably have this exactly right, but maybe 30 years later when they, they had been active, but then they measured their uh, their metabolism again, and, and they lost more, more from that three weeks in bed than they did over the 30-year period. So this inactivity is just a terrible thing. People would realize that. I told you about my three workouts, but I'm staying active all the time. I'm walking, moving around, doing something all the time. If you sit, if you're sitting at your desk or your computer for more than an hour, that's too long. Right, if you're right. much more productive. You feel better if you get up and move around. It makes you more creative, and and I make it a real point to get up and move around. We have a three-level house, so we can many many routes you can take around the house. <laughs> right, get up, you know, walk walk around and i just make it a point to keep activity in my life all the time now that's a great point yeah, that's, that's a simple thing very but it's really important no it is because a yeah. lot of people feel that if, if okay i'm getting in my three four workouts i don't when i'm not working out i'm just going to sit on my ass all day long <laughs> right and a lot of people feel like that where I, you should be looking for ways to add activity go to the grocery store park purposely in the back take the stairs wherever possible <laughs> you go for yeah, daily right. walks yeah, joint mobility exercises. I like what you're saying because I work at home a lot too, and it's it's easy just to be on the couch on a computer for hours if you're not careful. Right. So I like to take exercise breaks during the day where I'll get up every hour or so and knock off some kettlebell presses or go outside and yeah. do some pull-ups and take the dogs for a walk. So I'm just constantly moving around. And I think that's an important point as well where your your workouts should allow you to have more energy to move around more, not less. Exactly. I that's mean, right. And people think, well, you know, that's that's hard. But it's not hard if you build activity into your life and you just – I belonged to a gym many years ago and the guy, the guy said, never lie down if you can stand up and never stand up if you can walk or run. 
so you can do things in with an active way or an inactive way. I go to the movie and I and I I sit there and I'm constantly fidgeting around. But other <laughs> people they sit there they sit there for ninety minutes or two hours and Still. they budge. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Are you alive? <laughs> well, Clarence, I've been on I've been on ten hours. Same thing in an airport. Yeah, people, exactly. Yeah, you can sit there when you could wonderful yeah. places to walk around in the airport. I've been on ten hour flights before where. I've had people sit next to me who didn't get up the whole flight, not even to get up to use the bathroom or anything, where I like to get up every 30 minutes to an hour ma- hour maximum, get up, stretch. So one of the reasons why people are so jet-lagged is because you've been sitting still for so long that your right. body is really stiff by the time you get to the other end. If you're getting up, you're moving around, you're doing toe touches, some mobility work, constantly moving, you're not going to feel as beat up when you get to your destination. It's a simple thing, but it just makes your body work so much, so much better. Right. Yeah, definitely. Now, one thing about your books, Clarence, is you talk about something that I try to get the benefits out there quite a bit of this topic. You talk about the benefits of threesomes quite a bit in your books. (laughs) (laughs) And not those kind of threesomes, folks. (laughs) We're talking about hard weights, intense aerobics, and rest. So everyone's like, oh, great, threesomes? Hey, I man. can't wait to pr- practice that one. Hey, man, you guys did say movement is medicine, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a different kind of way. But, I, but that, that's a good way to remember stuff is you hit the weights, you do some intense aerobics such as sprinting, and then you have to rest. You have to balance that equation. Do you have any strategies, Clarence, you do to restore, to recover? You get massages or spa treatments. What, what do you do to really help you restore from your hard workouts? Well, I think the main thing I do is by staying active. You may remember that there's a section in the book that talks about macrophage. It's where your body is consuming itself, but mm. each one of your cells has to get rid of the debris. And they did a, a study with with uh, with rats, and they put one of them, one bunch of them, on a treadmill, and others weren't on a treadmill. And they, they some way or other, they lit up these the cells. When this macrophage process was taking place, it forms a little membrane around the the the, uh, the waste, so that you can, that the body can digest it. When they put them on the treadmill, these things these things things were lighting up all over their body, every organ. So activity is what helps you recover. So I thought I think about doing a recovery walk uh, after a workout. Right. Right. I, I'm walking every day, but I, if, if you just think about when you're walking there, my cells are cleaning themselves up. I'm getting, my body is working better. It's it's younger by doing that. If you walk in a in a pleasant location, we live in an area just a couple of blocks from the foothills. I can look it out right now. I can see the mountain in a nice place. Mm-hmm. We have pretty good weather here year round. Oh yeah. So, but I'm out and moving and thinking about that, and I think that's my main recovery thing. But I'm also very careful to space my 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 weights, my training sessions, so there's plenty of time to recover. Uh, there's many different ways to train, and people try to make it too complicated. And in, in the in the when it comes right down to it, there's only overload. You can overload in many different ways, but you have to overload the body if it's going to get stronger. The other thing you have to do is rest, right? Because the body doesn't get stronger when you're working; it gets stronger when you're resting. Right. And then if you can make this resting more productive by moving around, that's the whole formula. And they, 
you know, it, and there's money in different ways to work on that, but still that's what it comes down to. Right, and you have a great backdrop because you live out in Albuquerque, and I've been there, man. It's so beautiful, and it can be very inspiring. The last time I was there, I didn't want to do— Next time you get here, you'd be damn sure you call me. Oh, oh, trust me. <laughs> to my, and my wife, she's a big fan of Santa Fe, but I really love Albuquerque. So, yeah, next time, definitely, I will <laughs> reach out to you. It's so beautiful out there, especially in the evening when it's sunset, man. And just It's art in itself, so I can see why. You know, you're very inspired to get outside and want to do things. But a lot of people, you know, they'll use that excuse. Well, I live in the city. And let's just say if you're someone who lives like, let's just say, and not nothing against them. But if you're living in Detroit, where pretty much the environment is very depressing and, you know, or or anywhere in Ohio, like Cleveland, you know, and I've been to Cleveland <laughs> millions of times. And I'm like, I understand why the football team is called the Cleveland Browns. It's like the, the environment, all the factories and everything. It's a very brown looking gray atmosphere when you're there. And I said, I get it. I can see why I think why things are so depressing there. So instead of I can see why it can be very hard for a lot of folks to really want to get the energy to get out there. But what do you even say to someone like that when they don't have the beautiful backdrop like you have in Albuquerque to get out and move and, and to get motivated when the environment is not let's just say that friendly for that type of lifestyle? That's a good question. What do you say to him? I don't know. <laughs> my my, my move, advice move, is move. Move. <laughs> yeah, move to another place. <laughs> That's what I did. You know, I, was trying to, I was trying to get around the obvious, like, get the hell, get the hell out of there now. Like, why are you there? You know? <laughs> if you live in a depressing place, it's time to move. You know? <laughs> oh, man. And of course, you can move in your environment no matter what it is. Right. It, right. it will feel better. It's, it's just... Uh, I, I know this happened to me many times when I'm writing an article. I've, I've got the information in my head, but I can't quite figure out how to put it together. Right. And you go for a walk, it seems like before you've even gone a block, it starts falling into place. Right. That's so true. Yeah. And, and there, there, there's research, and they're learning more and more about the brain that this is really, really happening. In fact, I'm, I've got, got a study right now that I'm going to write an article about where the people that put people one group of students or somebody on the treadmill and the ones that others on uh, that were on the treadmill and then they measured their creativity by working a puzzle and they just all kinds of difference but but the activity just comes back to you in so many different ways right and if you were do an activity that you enjoy it's a win-win how can you lose Right. And how no hard doubt about it. I mean, if you're not someone confined to a wheelchair or something, I mean, this is something you do every day. So why not take it to the next level? And I think a lot of times people get so hyped up on all the different fitness trends and P90X and all this other stuff. They feel like they have to do this overly like excessive exercise in order to think that they have to feel like they've been beat up at the end of the day. And when you tell them to do something as simple as walking. They, they look at you like walking. That's that's not enough. That's not intense. There are a lot of people walking is intense for quite a few people, especially in this country with our right. city rate. And in fact, they tend to have more gains just from walking instead of starting a hardcore high intensity fitness program than the average person that goes that's overweight and goes into a high intensity fitness program. Well, I mean, if you're 150 pounds overweight, then walking is a form of resistance yes. training. I mean, you're, you know, walk, so you're doing put a, put a all the time. Yeah, I, mean, you know, I used to up. do weight fest walks where I put a hundred pound weight vest on and go walk for two miles, and I'm like, wow, yeah. this is what someone who's obese probably feels like every day exactly. when they go walking. You know, so it is that that's actually a good. It, that's actually good advice to give someone who is really overweight and they they want to start this journey is. Get out there and go for a walk. Walk for a mile. 
then do it twice a day. Walk for two miles. Start getting some of this weight off, and then you can increase the activity from there rather than trying to have someone who can barely touch their toes do Olympic weightlifting in a circuit. <laughs> you know, it's, well, well, it doesn't exactly make sense. Right. That's another advantage of our foothills. They're, they're just endless foothills, and there's a lot of steep hills. You can I, I, I have a number of these hills that I sometimes my my aerobic workout, my hard aerobic workout is my foothill workout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm I'm doing there's a just right above our house there's there's a call it a hill or a mountain it's pretty big. <laughs> you can go up one side, go down the top, and then go down the other side. So my my aerobic my interval workout is to go up the one side, go over the top, go back down, come back up, go over the top, go back down, go come back up. You can just get one hell of a workout without ever running, right. but just by walking fast up the hills. And I have several of these hills that I that I work into an, an interval workout, so you can kind of use your environment uh, to be creative and think of different ways to train. My wife is very good at, at the interval hills, too. Mm. Oh, that's cool. I always tell people, you want to get in great shape, get some dogs. Yeah, Go dude, rest I was about to say that. Because my dog, Grover, when I first got – he's still a super energetic dog now. He's a he's a terrier mix. But when I first got him in 2007, I mean he was super energetic. I mean he couldn't – he was just running up and down the stairs, constantly in motion. And I go, man, if I don't start running this guy out, he's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> right. So I actually started sprinting because of him. And then I enjoyed sprinting so much, I just kept doing it. Yeah. Still do it with him. But that that not only did it get me in really good cardiovascular shape, it got him in great shape. So it's just one of those things where it's going to get you out there. Just like I am. I go for two-mile two walks with them daily in addition sure. to my workouts and so forth. That's right. That dog can be very important. Now, you also talk about how exercise boosts brain health. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, well, there's a, a, a book called Spark that I wrote about in the, in, in the Take Charge book. If you get a chance, buy that book. It's just called Spark, S-P-A-R-K. And who's the author, Clarence? I can't remember. I don't worry about it. We'll, look, we'll find yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, he's a famous psychiatrist from Harvard. Uh, and they've discovered something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And this, this psychiatrist had had been in his in his in his practice with his patients he was aware of the changes that took place if he got the his patients out walking sometimes he would take them for a walk himself and talking to them and so on so he already had in his mind that that it had the effect on on your brain and your mood neural neurotransmitters and so on moving forward I don't know. I don't remember all the details right now, but he had a, a chance to be in the library in a petri cell to see a brain cell, and, and putting these this this brain derived neurotrophic factor NPNF on on the brain cells, and right there before your eyes in the petri dish, the, the brain cells start sprouting branches, and and the difference in in the in the production of the of the and BDNF in rats that are exercised and rats that are not exercised is tremendous. And this BDNF is something that's stimulated by exercise, and it makes your brain sprout more more branches. So it creates the the connectivity and the structure in your brain 
So that's another example of how exercise or walking or being active makes your brain uh, work better. It just makes everything better, but that's the first apparently direct connection between exercise and what's happening in your brain. Of course, we've come a long way. So I used to think that that you only had so many brain cells and, and, and that was it. But now we know that, that, that the body can recreate brain cells and exercise. And, and then after you create the BDNF and the, and the branches, obviously you've got to think and make it, make your brain, make your brain work. It's just like a muscle if you don't use it, it's going to go away. Right. Uh, there's a lot of that's a really, really wonderful book. Uh, yeah, I actually found it. I um, can think of the guy's doctor's name. There's John Ratney. There's, there's, there's a, yeah, John Ratney is the name of the author. Yeah. Ratney, exactly right. That's it. Yeah, it's called Spark, the Revolutionary New Science of Exercise and the Brain. So it's on Amazon.com and all over the web. So I'm definitely we'll going to check link, that out. We'll put a link to it in the notes, folks. That. That, that book is dedicated to Dr. Cooper, the Cooper Clinic, the guy who All right. coined the term aerobics. Now, you also bring up an interesting point in your book about how, how effort when it comes to weight training is more important than how heavy the weight is, meaning that if the last couple of repetitions are difficult, that's going to be beneficial for building size and strength. So can you uh, – let's, let's talk about that a little bit because people often feel that they're not using a super heavy weight, let's say, something that challenges them in the five rep range. They're not really building any size and strength. But if you're, even if you're using something lighter that takes you to 15 reps, if the last few reps are really challenging, that's still going to build some size and strength. Is that correct? Absolutely. That was one of the things, that study that, that came to that conclusion was one of the things that inspired me to write, write the book. Mm. And... It's based on something called the size principle, which apparently is one of the most recognized principles in exercise physiology and has been for a long time. But the size principle says that a mus- muscle fibers, by the way, they contract for all they're worth or they don't contract at all. It's an all or none. So it's, it's the, the muscle contracts in order of size from the smallest to the largest, slowest to the fastest. Mm. And, and it's, effort your muscle your body doesn't know your muscles don't know how much weight is in there but they know how much effort is being put out so just exactly what you said that you can stimulate the muscle to its full extent with a light weight or a heavy weight and they did something called activity level studies where they they can measure they compare a voluntary contraction with an electrically induced contraction hmm. the electrically conduced contraction is considered to be 100%. So they compared that to the voluntary contraction. So they had had people doing a five rep maximum, that is five reps with a maximum weight they could do for that weight, same thing with 10, same thing for 20, and then they measured this activity level, and it was all, it was all about 95%. So it didn't make any difference whether you're doing 20 reps with a lighter weight or, or, or five reps with a heavier weight. As long as you are putting out a maximum effort in the last few reps, and, and that's very important. A lot of people would be turned off by women, particularly, and some men, be scared by, by lifting heavy weights. They just don't want to do it. Right, but if right. they know they don't have to lift a heavy weight, they can lift a lighter weight and just lift it for more reps as long as they put some effort into it to get the same results. So it just kind of opens the floodgates for resistance training for people that they wouldn't even think about it because it just turned them off, the idea 
using a big barbell, but that's, right. it's so simple, um, and people are still resisting it. And somebody just wrote to me recently about some paper that had been written saying that that couldn't be true. And what they're saying is that that in, that intensity is synonymous with weight, with load. Right. Or that's wrong. Intensity is synonymous with effort. Yeah. You think about it. Your your body knows about effort, but it doesn't know whether it's got five pounds or ten pounds. It knows about effort. Yeah, I mean, right. if I'm pressing a weight that I 15 times that I could press 30 times, then of course that's not going to be what we're talking about here. Just as if I'm picking up a weight five times that I could do 10 times, you know, <laughs> that's not going to be the same thing either. It's, it's, so there has to be a, a high intensity effort with it, regardless of what the weight, what the percentage is of your one rep max. That's right. You're coming back to overload. Right. Right. I know. Yeah. I know you have to get going here soon, but it's, I wanted to end with the connection between walking speed and health, and also as a predictor of mortality. Why is walking speed so important? Well, I don't think walking speed is all that important. I think it's the activity level. I, okay. My, my aerobic exercise is, I call it a, a barbell approach, because I do it either, I'm talking about the aerobic aspect of it, either I do it very hard or I walk. I don't do anything in between. I think you're pretty much wasting your time in between, and of course, what you see in your neighborhood, people are jogging. They're jogging at just a moderate level. Obviously, they're not using all of their muscle fibers. Right, right. So I want to do it hard. I talked about the the sprinting. You you were talked about the sprinting for yourself, but on the rower, oh, yeah. the skier, yep. where you're using all of those muscle fibers, getting those fast twitch fibers, and doing walking as a way to speed the recovery and keep the blood circulating through your whole body including your 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 uh, your brain and a lot of the, the the medical people you know they're afraid to tell people that they have to exercise hard because they can't get them to exercise at all <laughs> how the hell they got to get them to exercise hard yeah that's i mean that's a but good you, that's a valid concern <laughs> but if if you think of of course they're livelihood depends on it right right but if you think about intervals what makes intervals so so superior is that it's using those fast fibers yeah and somebody doing a steady state that's another of the main themes of the book that that inspired me is this the rise of intervals yeah but the intervals like the sprints are using the fast twitch fibers and you compare that with people that do steady state it's like the guy that is, does steady state is only training half of his body. The guy that does the intervals is training his whole body. It's like night right. and day. Yeah. And so I don't think there's many, some studies probably that do say that, you know, the people that walk faster are better, better off. And that's true because they're using more of their muscle mass. But I I prefer to think about it the way that I just explained it. Probably more with the fact that they have the ability to walk fast exactly. rather than that they're purposely walking Absolutely. fast. It's just the fact that you're fit and can walk fast because right. I noticed that people yeah. always tell me, they're like, man, you walk so fast. Yeah, and I'm just like, I'm, being, I'm just walking normally. I'm like, uh, I don't want to My brother walked so fast that I, he was in the casino one time. He was walking. He was playing blackjack, moving from one table to another. He was walking so fast, a couple of people that had a few drinks were like, look at that guy. You can't even see his feet. He's moving so fast. <laughs> You're drunk. You can't see anything. One of the measures of aging is gait speed. Yeah. How, much, how fast do you walk naturally? Right, As right. you said a while ago, you... <laughs> You see people, I, I, I just not too long ago, I was at my 
my ophthalmologist, and there was this fellow there, and and he got in the chair, and he could not stand up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you let yourself get to that. I don't know what what caused that, but the, the nurse was there, and she was going to help him. and said, no, don't help me. He finally did get up, but it was a struggle. If you just yeah. think how weak and debilitated you are that you sit in the chair and you literally can't get up. No, it's right. terrible. I see that all the time. you got to use those muscles so they will still what? be able to get up. Well, you know, there's a lot of ironies in life, Clarence, and, and that reminds me of the fact that a lot of people are always looking at ways to avoid activity, right? They, they don't want to – they park as close to the grocery store, park as close to the gym, sit down as much as possible. And then the irony is you've now lost so much muscle tissue that you are forced to sit down in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. So there you go. You got your wish. You wanted to sit down all the time, and now you have to sit down all right. the time. And there was, a, you know, there was an interesting – interview with a guy who he, I forget what I forget what, what the injury was but he basically was reduced to a wheelchair a guy that was serving overseas and then they gave him these mechanical legs where finally after years he could he could walk with the assistance of those mechanical legs for a while not nothing major he couldn't run it wasn't like the bionic man or something like that but he was actually able to move around and he said that it was such a pleasure for him He's like he never wanted to sit down again he goes, most people, they just want to sit down all the time. He goes, me, I, I go, I just want to be able to walk all the time. And, and it's, it's, it's a cliche, but it's so true. I mean, you don't know what Which, you have until, until it's gone. gone. Yeah. A lot of people just don't value it until you just take it for granted. I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to be able to walk around. And you just take it for granted. If people would understand that, that would save a lot of problems in this country. And it's just, it's just there, there's a the miracle of movement, or there's a book put out by one of the doctors at the Cooper Clinic, and I think I mentioned it in a book it called Movement. I don't know what, what the rest of the title is, but that's the key idea and just how important that is. And, and as you say, the, 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 the normal person, with normal in quotes, you know, they want to do things with as little effort as they can, and they don't seem to realize the benefit of putting some effort into what you do. That you're, you'll be well rewarded. And you, you, well, that's the part I don't get. Yeah, I don't understand why someone doesn't want to be intelligent, strong, powerful. I mean, those those are incredible things to have. I mean, your quality of your life is is immensely superior when you're willing to put in effort to develop those things. And especially for men, why would you not want to be strong and powerful as a man? Now, to me, it's unacceptable to not be those things. So I'm not just physical strength, but your strength of character, your brain, everything as well. But why would you not want to have those things? I mean, we're all fans of superheroes when we're kids, right? We're reading comic books. We're watching movies. Yeah, you wanted to and be then, one. And then, and then there's that disconnect, though. You could be in the movie theater watching all these powerful people, action heroes, etc. Yet when it comes to your own personal life, you don't mind being a weak, slob, mentally inferior when they go into they go into walter mitty mode you know in their minds they want to be the superhero but in in life they're not doing it you know so they can see themselves like yeah you know i wish i could do that man it would be kick ass if i could sit there and do that but then in their minds they're like okay well back to reality no dude there are different ways you can be your own freaking superhero but again at, at what point did we stop wanting to be that superhero as you know like we were when we were kids that's the thing man that's where the disconnect comes. At what point we say, okay, that's not reality. You know, I can't do these things. I can't do anything amazing. I just need to go through this mediocre existence in life and just, you know, same old, same old. Just, you know, live day by day. 
check and check or something like that. When did that become normal for you? So a lot of times people don't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Clarence, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We know you're a busy guy, and people can find out more about you at C, that letter cbass.com, and make sure to check out his incredible books, Great Expectations, Take Charge, great material. Lots of that great articles on the site. Is good too. Yeah, tons we of have, free information. We have 10 books too. all together. We have three DVDs. I do telephone consultations. People oh, come cool. and spend a couple of days with me, so we, we stay active here. And I, I really has been a pleasure talking to you. I'm just amazed at at, at the commonality and, and about what I'm saying and what you guys are saying. It's very impressive. Well, thank you. Oh, likewise. Thank yeah, you. and it's, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on again. And either one of you get anywhere near us and look us up. We'll have to go to a good Mexican restaurant and talk for a while. Yeah, oh, yeah I love definitely. To. If you guys are ever in Las Vegas, let me know. And sincere's out See, of Houston. Yep. Well, it was a delight talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, thank Thanks you. a lot, Clarence. We appreciate it. You have a great day. So again, <laughs> folks, that's Clarence Bass. Cl- Clarence is really one of those inspiring guys to me because, like I said, I, <laughs> I've discussed on the show how you know old people often scare me to death, but I look at these old, decrepit people walking around I'm like, right. God, that's got to suck. And then fortunately, thank God, there's people like Clarence Bass out there and Steve Maxwell and and so many other people that show that you don't it doesn't have to be that way. But you know what? When I was when I was 25 and somebody was 40, we're like, damn, 40. Exactly. You know? I was like, because, it's just like God. I mean, you got this this dude's walking around with this gut. His his yeah, his, exactly. shorts, his shorts are pulled up to his damn nipples. I mean, just it, like so he's, he's got, when you're 25, <laughs> looking at that, going, shit, like, that's what 40 looks like. Now that I am 40, I'm like, okay, you don't have to be a fucking like, yeah, I'm like, I was and, lied to, man. Like, first of all, I don't, I don't have to wear the khaki shorts or or wear the freaking like long white tube socks with the, the freaking, I don't know, Birkenstocks and all this. Like, come on, man. Like, and if you're one of those guys, do me a favor. Stop it. You don't have to wear that crap, man. It's OK. So, and it, you know, these are the guys also that I would see like they walk around. And, you know, these are the guys I see smoking cigars and, and, you know, they all have like good scotch or something like that. But there was this commonality. They all start to look alike. You know, it was one of those things that kind of kept me away from ever smoking cigars. Like, I don't want to end up being the pot belly guy, you know, that just looks. I mean, he's just sitting there. Every shirt is plaid. All the shorts are khaki, you know, just, you know, and he's just sitting. He's sitting in a lounge chair huffing and puffing while he's trying to huff and puff on a cigar. I didn't want to be that guy. But then I said and thought about, it, you know what, man, one thing about what you and I do we're, we're already showing like, okay, first, first of all, 40 doesn't have to suck. You know, you can be vibrant and truly enjoy your life past 40. Hell, past 35, past 30. Because now it seems like as time goes on, that number is starting to decrease as far as when people start oh, to think incredible. that their life is over. Email me and go, oh, you know, I'm 32 now. I go, good so for what? you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're and? saying that in a negative way. They're not saying it in a positive way. Kind of like, well, I'm 32 now, so I can't push myself as hard as I used to. I was like, why not? <laughs> exactly, man. So I'm like, 40. I don't train any less intensely now than I did when I was 30. And I trained hard when I was 30. I trained hard when I was 25. I trained hard when I was 22. Still train hard at 40. Now I focus more on restoration. But frankly, yeah. that's what I, I should have been doing that back exactly, then too. Exactly, man. That's what I explained to my 19 year old. You know, I was trying to tell him he's just like, he want to do all this stuff and work out for an hour or two. I'm like, for what? I'm like, what are you doing? I said, dude. First of all, narrow all. The, what do? You, why are you all over the place? I said, just narrow it down to four things. I mean, really. For me, it's a main three. Squat, deadlift, overhead pressing. I said, and, you know, if you want to throw that in there, bench press. I said, all this other stuff you're doing is just stuff. 
and it could be assistance work. It's fun stuff to do, at, you know, when you're finished doing those four main lifts. But I'm like, all this other stuff, what are you doing, man? I said, look, this is not like you got some fat, I've never worked out a day in my life, dad, trying to give you fitness advice, you know, or anything <laughs> like this. Like, dude, I've done what you've done, and here I am now at 42, and I'm still going, and I can run circles around most of your friends' fathers, you know. And it's not just a brag, it's just the truth, because you know why? I look at his friends' fathers, I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. When I go to all their activities and I look at some of these guys, man, and they're just looking like it's like somebody shot them up and dropped them off at the event with their kids and they don't even know they're there. So I'm like, I don't want to be that guy, man. I want to be alive. You know, I want to actually like be inspiring for my kids. So I'm telling like, look, don't reinvent the wheel, man. Look, just this is what I do for a living. Okay, so let me let me help you out and save you some time so you can go off and do other things. And this won't catch up with you. 15, 10, 20 years from now, all of a sudden you got these injuries that came in your mind. You think they came out of nowhere. But no, you've worked hard on that injury. It just took your body a while to catch up and tell you like, hey, yeah, your shoulders now. You, you officially have arthritis in the shoulder. But then you're thinking to yourself, I'm 35 years old. Why do I have arthritis in the shoulder? Right. I'm not 75. That, that's you that's a look- good point because that's pretty much how every injury arises. That Usually there's been something underlying that maybe you haven't felt but that has been there for a while. And yeah. then it finally hit a tipping point and you're like, whoa, what the hell happened <laughs> right. there? Right. So, yeah, man. So, you know, really take time to do that. Get that recovery. And I don't care what age you are. You know, recovery is very, very important. It's not about just that whole go hard or go home thing. I just want to punch somebody in the throat when I hear (laughs) every time I hear that go hard or go home. Well, I'm going home (laughs) so I can, you know, so I can actually relax after going hard. So screw you. (laughs) So all these little cliche little phrases, man, it's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> now i'll tell you one thing folks if it, i've been getting um, massages pretty regularly from a really good body worker here in las vegas i mean for those of you that live in vegas you want our information i'll give it out to you but i've been doing a, an experiment where i go in sometimes once a week sometimes generally not more frequently than that but sometimes mm-hmm. once every other week sometimes once a week and i'm telling you I'm, i've been on a roll with training for a while right now especially i've been hitting deadlifts hard twice a week once a week doing the ed Cohen program another week doing partials and deadlifts are pretty hard systemically on your body but i've been getting these massages once a week and i never have that stiff back and body feels recovered rejuvenated so it's one of the most overlooked but highly beneficial things you can do to ensure that your training progress stays coming fast and steady. Right. And also, it, it just gives your central nervous system that break. Because when you push your body hard, you have to do something that's the equivalent of restoring it. Otherwise, you're just going to start breaking yourself down over time. You've heard a million times. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So you need to do – just like if you do something where you contract, you need to do something where you're going to stretch it back out, man. Right. You know, you, you got to balance things. That's called exactly. balance, okay? Forget all the science and all that. It's called balance. That's that's what that is. So you train hard, recover even harder. That's the now thing. The, re- the reaction you should be having after listening to this great episode is to go to our websites <laughs> and use that coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements. Got the best testosterone booster ever made, period, on the market. I challenge you to find something that even comes close. Look at the testimonials on, on the page for my testosterone booster. Those are all real people, real results. You're not going to find any other of my competitors that come close to that. Then get my recovery oil so you get great sleep at night. Get that restoration. Get my systemic enzymes. Go listen to that episode with Dr. Wong talking about how beneficial systemic enzymes are for managing inflammation. You can use that coupon code to get 10% off any of my T-shirts, DVDs, eBooks, the whole shebang. And how about with you, man? Hey, man, same thing. Use that coupon code LLA. Go to newwarriortraining.com. Any products over there from me, you'll get 10% off. 
whether it's my DVD, digital or physical copy, whether it's the wellness code books, digital version of that, whether it's my weight management 101 course, it's a 12 week course, really helps you get your health in order on your own terms. You don't have to sit there and put your health in somebody else's hands and have them try to take you down the road that they traveled and make you think that that's the only way to go. Hey, man, you'll be, become better informed and more educated as far as what you need to do to your body, with your body, put in your body and expound from your body. All that helps you with that stuff, man. And it's very easy to understand. Very, very types of media to actually like learn about this, whether it's PDFs, whether it's video, audio, all those things are included with this program, man. And the other thing you can do to, to again, reciprocate <laughs> is go to iTunes yeah. and give us a review. We had some really nice reviews put up recently. JC1973 gave us a fantastic review. He's been listening to our show for a year. He gave us a review a year ago, and then he did a follow-up review just talking about how impressed he's been with the show's development. Yes. And then Keith Peters gave us a nice review, and so did – let's see, one more here. Cold Feet Diva gave us a nice review. I'm going to assume that's a woman. <laughs> I was like, that's a very interesting name right there, Cold Feet Diva. So I don't know, man. <laughs> that, it's, it's a lot of interesting like handles when you go on iTunes and you read some of this stuff. That's, that's, that's very original right there. So like I said, I hope that is a woman. <laughs> so awesome, man. So great show today, man. That was really it was a pleasure talking to Clarence and lots of great stuff coming for the rest of the month of July as well. So people don't go anywhere. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. Don't just sit there and listen to an episode and then bounce off. Subscribe so you don't miss anything. All right. It'll make your summer that much better. Oh, absolutely. All right, folks. All right, folks. You guys have a good one. Take care.